Hey guys, it's Abdul from good friends over at Leon Tailoring, 809 North Delaware, downtown Indianapolis. No prom season will be here before you know it, so make sure you get the tuxes from Leon Tailoring. Yeah, I know there's those other big box places where you could probably get something, but trust me, they will not do your son the justice that Leon Taylor will do. They'll make sure he looks good, looks great, and hey, by the way, Leon Taylor isn't just tuxes too. It's also weddings. Ta-da! Because remember, they did the tuxes for my wedding. Nine years later, still married. Exactly. So, Leon Tailoring, whether it's tuxes for prom or tuxes for wedding or just a tux in general, swing on by 809 North Delaware and downtown Indianapolis. Well, with this week being 420 and marijuana legalization, sort of uh, topping being the topic of a lot of folks' minds, we figure we continue our conversation, talk about legalization from a couple different perspectives. And joining us now is our old friend of the program, Scott Watson, who's with Heartland uh, Intervention. So, Scott, my friend, thank you very much for being with us. Always good to chat with you, sir. Abdul, really appreciate you having me and love the work that you do. Uh, thank you, my friend. So let's uh, go ahead and get started. Uh, help our audience out here. What is your position on marijuana legalization for both medicinal uh, and recreational purposes? Well, I think it's going to happen. I'm not sure when. I'm not sure how. I'm not sure if it's a good idea. But I think uh, if I read the tea leaves, it's going to happen. As an addictions counselor, it's probably wise that I stay out of policy. Uh, having said that, uh, I have a little bit of history some years ago in the political realm, and I'm a citizen. And I think, you know, when you talk about things like civics and being a civics uh, a, 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 a a member of a community, you really have to be involved in what's going on, both personally and professionally. And as you said, it's out there, whether we want to talk about it, whether we want to agree with it, whether we want to argue about it, it's being talked about. And certainly, I think one of the things, Abdul, that, that I have to say is if people want to use drugs, illegal drugs, legal drugs, tobacco, alcohol, and at some point, probably marijuana, that's their deal. When it becomes problematic, that's where the role of an addiction counselor steps in. And it can be problematic in a lot of ways. You've asked me before, others have asked me, when is it a problem? Well, it's a problem when it's a problem, right? If a spouse has an issue, if an employer has an issue, if you're failing regulated drug tests, it becomes an issue. If you're not able to get up and coach the 8.30 a.m. soccer game, but you're good with the noon soccer game, it's beginning to be an issue. And when it's an issue, that's where me as an addiction counselor, where I as an addictions counselor come into the equation. And so let's talk about that from, from an addiction counselor's perspective. Uh, what would the issues be with legalized marijuana, so to speak? Well, I think anytime, and again, I'm not sure what the numbers would be, but I think there are some people that won't do any activity if it's illegal. And so when it becomes illegal, when it be something becomes legal, there are more people that would be exposed to it. We can look at any number of things. And when you have a substance like marijuana and more people are trying it, we know that a certain percentage of those people are going to go on and have a problem. The other thing is, just from a way taller view, when we legalize weed, one of the things that we are giving way to I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying we need to have an honest, open, objective discussion about it is we're throwing traditional coping skills, whatever that might look like for an individual, to the wayside, and we're saying chemical coping is becoming more the norm. And I think regardless of what the substance is, I think the move in our society of late to chemical coping can be problematic for some folks. 
Now, Scott, when you talk about uh, chemical coping, what is the difference uh, between someone, uh, let's say, you know, who comes home after work, you know, they just want to wind down, just have, you know, a, a cocktail or two, and that's basically it, versus someone just having, a, you know, an edible, a gummy, or, you know, or marijuana flower? For most people, probably not much. I mean, I've got friends that can drink and drink and drink and drink, and it's not a problem. I have other people where if they have the first drink, uh, then they're going to be on the methamphetamine pipe, and then they're going to be out um, in the streets yelling and screaming or, or, or robbing a store. So we can't lump any one group of society in with another. I think what we have to realize is there are some that can use any substance, whether it be tobacco, whether it be alcohol, whether it be marijuana. And really, it's not an issue for them. In fact, it actually make, makes some of their issues better. But there are those who it is the first domino, and then it's the second domino. I have never had someone come to my office with a problem with methamphetamine or with a significant opiate, opioid addiction and tell me they've never smoked weed. Every single one of them. When we do the assessment, how old will be the first time you had alcohol? How old will be the first time you had weed? No one ever says, I've never smoked weed. So for some, the evidence would indicate it is a gateway. But to your point, there are many for whom alcohol never led to a DUI, never led to a fight with a spouse, never led to a lost job. Uh, and it's reasonable to believe that for some, Marijuana would be the same way. Our guest on the program today is Scott Watson. Scott is with Heartland Intervention. Uh, they are addiction counselors. And so Scott has been great enough to come on the program today as, as this is the week of 420 and talk about marijuana legalization, particularly from, from an addiction specialist, addiction specialist point of view. Uh, Scott, what would you say would be the big difference, say, between marijuana, say, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago, or, or back in the 1960s versus marijuana today? Well, the big problem there, obviously, is the strength, right? Um the, the marijuana that is available today, regardless of the form that it's in, whether it be flower form, whether it be edible, whether it be a tincture or other things like that, is it's way stronger. And most people don't recognize that any more than when they see a pill, they think it's a pill. They don't understand that that pill is available, you know, in 0.5 milligrams, 10 milligrams, 20 milligrams, and 50 milligrams. They just see it as I'm taking the pill. And so I think marijuana is the same way. A lot of people say, oh, they're smoking weed or they're eating an edible. And there is, in the general public, not a common understanding that weed is weed is weed. That's not the case. The weed of today, I think, for the most part, tends to be way, way stronger than the weed of a decade or a decade and a half or a generation, as you mentioned, ago. And that brings up my other question, my friend, which is the fact that uh, in some places marijuana is legal, like in 31 states, and some change either for medicinal or recreational purposes. Uh, but it's a highly regulated industry. Uh, you know, they, they check the dosage. They check what's in it. Uh, you can actually read what's in it on the package versus, you know, going down to the, to the quote, unquote, urban entrepreneur and getting something laced uh, with fentanyl. Uh, does it make more sense to have it legalized, at least from that perspective, from a public health perspective, as opposed to, uh, as opposed to unlegalized? I'm not sure about that. And what I mean by that is, if you look at Colorado, which I believe was one of the two first states in the United States to legalize it, what they will say is the black market, you can't call it illegal, right? Uh, the black market there is largely unchanged um, because of things like we don't want to pay price plus tax. And so we're also, and I think this is true, and again, depending upon where you're listening to this, it might be more or less true. Um, I think one of the things 
that people would say is that marijuana is being adulterated potentially with fentanyl. And I knew you had a guest that, that posited that a week or so ago. The reality is not much. You know, I think the, the likelihood of that happening is not a lot. Uh, but I think the black market, the evidence would indicate, changes very little based on whether or not the substance is legal or not. I think what changes is the number of people using it, how they're accessing it, how they're uh, ingesting it. Those are the type of things. And, and if I might, even though you brought it up, but you didn't ask a specific question, Abdul, the idea of medical marijuana versus recreational marijuana, and I am opening myself up to grand criticism here, and I understand that. I would say if you're going to do it, let's do it. The idea of medical marijuana to me is a grand fallacy. It opens itself up to unscrupulous doctors. I'm spending a lot of time in a southern state, Florida, where it is legal medically, and I get telephone calls, texts, unsolicited emails asking me if I want a med- if I want a marijuana card. They don't ask me, do I have stress, anxiety, or chronic pain? So we've got an industry out there that is peddling those without regard to the medical part of the medical marijuana. Someone's making money on those. Perhaps I should click and find out how much. So I think what I would say is, if you're going to do it, do it. Don't do it under the guise of its medicine. Um, certainly, I think even the strongest opponents to legalization would say there is, for some people, a medical benefit for marijuana. I don't think that's something in this day and age that we argue. The question is, um, to what extent, what are the downsides? Because all medications, in air quotes, have downsides. How are you going to access it? How are you going to pay for it? Is this something that at some point, if it's quote-unquote medical, uh, Medicare and Medicaid is going to pay for? Our guest on the program today is Scott Watson. Scott is with Heartland Intervention. We're talking about uh, marijuana, particularly marijuana legalization from both a medicinal and a recreational perspective, uh, seeing how this is the week of 420. Uh, Scott, something I thought was interesting is how the, how the polling data has changed on medical, on marijuana so fast and so quickly uh, over the past eight years and change. I mean, you go back 20 years, say, should marijuana be legal? I mean, it was like 80 percent no. You know, fast forward to, to 2022, uh, the answer is like it's almost sort of flipped, 70, 80 percent yes. What do you think is responsible you know, for that change in attitudes? I think people like you talking about it a lot. Um, Thank you. That- I appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not value judging it again, good or bad, but you asked the question. Uh, I think um, it is talked about in quote unquote polite circles and and quote unquote mainstream media more than it ever used to. But I think some of the things that aren't being discussed are the potential downsides. Somebody asked me the other day, so when you talk with Abdul, is he also in favor of taking out all the traffic lights, understanding that some people will approach the intersection carefully, um, but there will be others that will race through it and will cause great harm. I think that's an extreme way of looking at it, but let's look at a less extreme way. What about people in safety-sensitive positions? Doctors, nurses, air traffic controllers, pilots, airplane mechanics, people that drive school buses or city buses. We do not currently have a way to test for impairment that is real time. And what I mean by that is if somebody smokes two or three days ago, and they are involved in a fatal accident today, and they take a urine drug screen or a blood alcohol test, that level is not going to tell us whether they were impaired at the time of accident. It's going to tell us that they smoked recently. And it's not going to tell us how strong the chemical was that they ingested. So that's a problem, because I think we want our neurosurgeons 
mostly unimpaired when they do surgery on us or someone that's important to us. Another aspect is we continue to peel back layers of this onion. And again, you get credit for that, good, bad, or otherwise. What do we do in a situation where let's say we have a nurse or a doctor who we know has an addiction history and we get them, quote unquote, into recovery? That recovery has before today not involved medication. There are now lawsuits, a federal lawsuit, that indicated that that doctor or nurse ought to be able to practice on an addictive chemical like Suboxone or um, Methadone, and to deny that might violate their federal rights under the Equal Protection Clause. In other words, they don't have the same access to treatment that you and I do because we're not in a safety-sensitive field. So as we begin to look at changing our laws with respect to weed and or other chemicals, these are discussions that we need to have, and they're not easy discussions. The easy thing to do is to draw a hard line, call the guy on the other side of the line a name, and bury our head in the sand. And conversations like this, even though we may not agree, are important. And I think you bring up an interesting point about uh, you know, folks in those safety-sensitive positions, because uh, as you and I have talked over the years about uh, marijuana other sort of you know, legal, these type of issues, it's always been a firm believer that uh, if your boss says, you know what, you can't use it and we test for it, you, know, you don't have to work here. You can go, go somewhere else. I want to say that in a lot of states that do have uh, medical or recreational marijuana, the, the drug testing laws are still, are still in place and still in effect, if, if my memory serves me correctly on this point. They certainly are for issues of the Department of Transportation. So the, the way the DOT would interpret this is they would say that if you choose to work in a, in a safety-sensitive position as defined by the Department of Transportation, you therefore give up your right to a couple of things, to be able to use drugs legally, regardless of the, if they're legal in your locale. You also give up your right to uh, provisionally to HIPAA. And the, the, the thought behind that is your assessor, your treatment provider, and the DER, the designated employer representative at your company, are able to share information about how you're doing in your specified recovery program without a release of information. It's the only loophole that there is in HIPAA. And again, if people have a problem with that, they can choose not to work in a safety-sensitive position. Uh, Scott Watson with us for a few more minutes on the program today. Scott Watson is an addiction specialist with Heartland Intervention. So we're talking about uh, marijuana from both medicinal and recreational purposes since this is the week uh, of 420. Uh, Scott, I want to get back uh, to the testing. Uh, Like I said, because there is no way right now to sort of do the real-time testing to find out uh, how much someone used at a certain period of time and how much is in their system at the same time as well. How far do you do you, do you see that day coming, you know, within a year, within a couple of years, uh, to t- that we can test for marijuana usage the same way that we can test for, you know, say alcohol with 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 a, you know with a you know with a roadside test, you know, pupils dilated and of course if, of course uh, what do you blow like 0.08 or 0.1 or 0.2? That's a difficult question. My guess is in the next year or two, probably not. In the next 5 years or so, probably. Um, I think the way the laws are now, though, an officer can walk up to a car that clearly is in the process or recently has been used to consume marijuana, and they still can't do much about it. Or in some locations, I'm talking to you, Indianapolis, uh, if that person is cited, the prosecutor looks the other way. Um, We could have a discussion about the wisdom of that. I'm not an attorney. I don't need to have an opinion. Having said that, these are the discussions we've got to have because um, there is a racial element 
There is a socioeconomic element. There is an addiction recovery element. And I think at the highest level, there is a human element. And what I mean by that is there is great value societally societally in re- being able to recruit a variety of different coping skills. And one of the concerns that I have about the legalization of drugs and the using of some medications to treat those with addiction is it still relies on chemical coping. And chemical coping is a narrow, not a broad pathway to a better life. Scott Watson with us for a couple more minutes on the program today. So, Scott, uh, what do you see happening uh, with marijuana legalization down the road? Do you see it just uh, basically becoming legal in all all 50 states, Indiana being one of the last, or do you see, uh, you know, maybe it being uh, not, not maybe not necessarily legalized at the federal level, perhaps maybe decriminalized? Well, I left my crystal ball at home this morning. Having said that, <laughs> you're a good friend, so let's hazard a guess. Uh, I, I think Indiana is going I mean it's already one of the last right so I'm not going out on a limb to say that Indiana is going to be one of the last is it going to be the last or one of the three last I don't know I don't suppose it really matters I, I think it's pretty clear if you read the tea leaves that the current governor is not in favor of it and wouldn't sign legislation if it passed tomorrow um, what's going to happen in Indiana my guess is as we predicted way back when we discussed whether or not CBD was a good idea that it would be a slippery slope and it would be a slow march to the eventual legalization of weed. And that's exactly what we're on. Um, again, you can value judge it, good, bad, whatever, but the dominoes are now in the process of falling. And the question is how far and how fast. And the other question, which is not a policy question, and I get that, it's what are we going to do with the people who, when they are exposed to this drug, turn to other more addictive, more dangerous drugs. The other thing, as we brought up impairment and testing a minute ago, is you're impaired when you aren't using weed if you've been using a lot of it. You get restless. You get irritable. You're not comfortable in your own skin. You're not thinking you don't have a thought disorder like we would think of with someone that has schizophrenia, but you do have thought impairment. And so how are we going to care for, treat, manage uh, both from a mental health and from a punitive, if that's uh, decided to be in order by the legal system, how are we going to handle this? And these are all things that uh, oftentimes when people say yes or no, I favor it or I don't favor it, um, the onion is big and it has a lot of layers. And I don't think we do ourselves as a society any uh, favors if we only look at the bottom or the top of the onion. And, the, and I remind people, when you peel the onion, sometimes it makes you cry. So just an, F, just an FYI, folks. Our guest on the program today has been Scott Watson. Scott is with Heartland Intervention. Scott, my friend, as always, thank you very much for being with us. Always enjoy our conversations uh, about uh, drugs, addiction, and, and legalization. The whole nine yards, old friend. Don't let the elected officials get you down, Abdul. Thanks for having me. This podcast was produced and edited by Chris Spangle and Leaders and Legends, LLC. If you're interested in starting a podcast or taking yours to the next level, please contact us at leadersandlegends.net.